three, two, one, here we go. It's Q. I'm well aware that we've been on a bit of a hiatus, and frankly, this episode and the episode preceding it are partially responsible. I say partially because I'm the one responsible for putting the show together. Well, with Bob's help, of course. Anywho, some of the audio from the original recordings we did for episode 80 and 81 was lost. So for these two episodes, we'll be doing something a bit differently. How differently, you may ask? Well, we'll be using this opportunity to introduce you beautiful people to two of our other podcasts. Those being Skill Points Podcast, a JRPG podcast recorded by Sam from Infinite Backlog in New Zealand and myself. The other happens to be a new interview podcast called Simply Binge Podcast. On that show, I take the time to sit down with some interesting creative folks for a casual conversation involving their creativity, life, or whatever the conversation may bring. So sit back, or keep walking, or maybe you're standing by the sink doing the dishes. Whatever you may be doing, hopefully this makes it a tad bit better. Good morning, and for those in other time zones, good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to episode five of Skill Points Podcast. Uh, you've got me, which is uh, Seraph, and joining me today again is Q. How are you? I'm good, drinking some, some nice refreshing water after suffering through uh, that Yasuke anime on Netflix. Terrible. If you're, if you're looking for some, some anime... Um, Samurai feudal era sort of goodness. Don't watch Yasuke. It's it's terrible. Don't 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 waste your time. Go play Samurai Warriors. Isn't that right, Sam? Well, Samurai Warriors five. I don't think Yasuke was in four or three. Or I think he's new to five actually. He is in um in what do you call that 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 sort of like souls like JRP um G. What's it called again? Neo. Neo. He's uh, Neo. He's in that. Yeah. But, um. I think he was a boss fight in that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So are you saying that uh that uh, Afro Samurai is still sort of peak in that regard? Yes. Afro Samurai is probably peak. Uh, for if you want a black anime samurai guy. Afro is still your guy, and and after Afro would probably be like some like what do you call this thing again? Is it Samurai Champloo? With the guy with the Samurai meat? Champloo was pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty good as well. So if you're looking for your your your, um, your sort of black anime samurai dude fix, yeah, those two are the ones you want to check out. Those are pretty solid. Yasuke is not. <laughs> it's just, it's just not, and it's, it doesn't. It's not because of him. Excuse me. It's because of the fact that they focus so much on just stuff outside of the fact of his story and the feudal times that it should be set in. It's just, it's crazy. But we're not here to talk about that, are we? What are we here to talk about, Sam? So today we're going to talk about, well, being a JRPG-based uh, podcast, we're going to be talking about tropes. So mm-hmm. the mainstay things that you'll generally find in a JRPG. And so... In a lot of JRPGs, you'll find that a lot of them have something in common. And the first one we're going to approach on is you're going to have a character that appears in this world, normally your main character, or sometimes it's an important side character, who has amnesia. Yeah. Uh, and I can say that 
that is so common. It's so common that the last JRPG that I played, or one of the last, actually two of the last JRPGs that I've played, had that trope in it. So the last two JRPGs I played was Poison Control and Death and Request, right? And both of those, your characters have amnesia. So in Poison Control, the main uh, guy doesn't know, or guy or girl, because you can choose. Do, they don't know who they are or what's going on, really. And the main um, sort of like support character or, you know, second main character, which is Poisonette, who like supports you and, and helps you and all that kind of stuff. She has no idea about what she is. She understands some things, but she doesn't really understand the whole deal of why she, what she is, basically. And so generally speaking, there's amnesia there. And in the in request, you start the game with, with a main character and well it seems like she knows everything then but it's like you're fighting this this boss and the boss kills you and then you you start the game again and then you don't remember anything the character doesn't she doesn't know who she is and all that kind of stuff and slowly you know you go through the story and so that because the end request is like 50 percent visual novel you get to a point where it explains her her amnesia and then she gets back some memory of what's going on right but she still has some amnesia about how she got in the game and and all that kind of stuff was going on in there and it's very common to me i find i see it in almost every jrpg i play amnesia which is like when we when we first talk, spoke about this whole thing the first thing came to mind was, was amnesia because it's like in everything yeah um and saying that though amnesia is commonly also used as a um as a game mechanic as well because obviously with a character suffering from amnesia it gives you the player uh, an opportunity to learn about the world and um being told stuff that mm-hmm. a character who lives in that world or is from that world originally should know already but they play the whole amnesia card so that way you the player can learn all about what's going on in this world who's who or what's what mm-hmm. and it's also something that uh, it also plays into the fact that that's probably why your character starts off fairly weak because mm-hmm. obviously you can't remember how to do all of your really cool skills. Uh, you might have not remembered how how you did all your training. You might have like you might you might still be like really buff and really powerful, but if you forget how to defend yourself, mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff's not going to be that. A lot of that stuff's not going to help you. Yeah, I, I think the other thing too is that like for example, one one jerky that I always like to think about when I think about not using the amnesia trope that does it really, really well without amnesia is Golden Sun to the Lost Age. When you start that game, the main character, he doesn't really have amnesia. At least I don't remember him having amnesia. But the whole Golden Sun storyline is along the lines of people, like kids, find that rite of passage, like growing up and stuff like that. And I think technically speaking, that is a a JRPG trope as well because you see it in Pokemon and a couple others as well. But... I think that's how you get around the amnesia. If you're young, you don't really know anything. So it's not like you can go into the world and you know everything. Or if you're like trapped in a village, maybe you've always been in that village and you never left that village. So then you wouldn't know anything about the outside world or, you know, what goes on outside of your your immediate space. And I think for younger people, which is usually when most people truly get into JRPGs, at least most JRPG fans get into JRPGs pretty young. And then as they get older, they just stick to it. I think it's 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 fascinating to get into that world and, and build and grow that, that sort of way because you're a young person and you're fascinated and you want to learn things and you want to know more, but you just don't. And yeah, I would say the alternative to amnesia is just youth, like a young character, a young inexperienced character locked off from, from the outside world is a good alternative to amnesia. Um, but amnesia is used way more often, I think. Uh, I mean, 
the amnesia thing is also um, the amnesia thing is also played out in very well known games as well. Some of them aren't even JRPGs. I mean, a key one that always springs to mind with the amnesia thing is uh, Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic, the first one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you play as a you play as a dude. You learn your Jedi skills, and uh, you're tasked to go beat this guy called Darth Revan and Dark Malak. But that's an RPG, though, isn't it? That's a- it is an RPG. I'm saying that. I'm just saying that it it's it's a trope that's also commonly used in just standard RPGs too. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's, it's used in standard RPGs, and and, and also I would I would say don't spoil Knights of the Republic because you're, you're leading up to spoiling it, and obviously there are going to be people who've never played it and they don't need to know because what what if basically if you know what what Sam is about to say about the character, it spoils the whole game. Like you get to the end and it, you you would it, there's a huge shock coming about that amnesia is re- used really well though I think the amnesia in in Knights of the Republic is probably the best I've seen it done in an RPG it's probably like high class the best um, would be Knights of the Republic's way of, of doing amnesia I also remember uh, in terms JRPG wise uh, because uh, I'm not as up to speed with Tales games as I used to be. Um, but I know Grace is if you've got Sophie, one of the characters, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, she loses her memories in the game not once, mm-hmm. twice. You know, Grace's F I think is one that I own but never finished or played much. Like I think I bought that on the tail end of the PS3, and then PS4 came out, and I was like, well, I'm getting a PS4 now, and I got rid of my PS3, and I have not played Grace's F. Like, I still own the, I think I still own the key for it on PS3, but. Yeah, the this and this is one of the sucky things about buying games on console compared to PC, man. Like if I had bought that, if that was like a Steam game and I got it on Steam, man, I'd still have it. Stupid PS3. I'm actually a little upset that this is one of the few Tales games that um hasn't actually been ported to PC. Yeah, it's it's it's, not, it's one of like two I think for for the PlayStation brand. Um, Zillia is the other one, isn't it? Um, I think I mean obviously you can you can list Destiny and those those ones, but I think compared to like for recent tales of games, games that have that you know you know the new engine, the whole 3D system and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's Zillia one and two, and um, and Tales of Graces F. I think those are the two, yeah. I think so, yeah. So, I mean, they should have been ported, man. By now, I mean, the Tales of series has never been as popular as it is now. They could easily milk those two games if they wanted to if they really really wanted to they could easily port um tales of Zill- i'm and granted i mean i say easy as if like i know anything about porting a game from a playstation 3 um on a cell um processor system because that was um it, those were ps3 exclusives if i'm correct weren't they um Zillia one and two and Grace's F were both exclusive to the PlayStation Three. Grace's F was a was a PS3 exclusive. Grace's was on the Wii. Well, okay, so but either way, the, the, obviously they would not consider the, the the Wii version as the one they want to port. They would work with the, the PS3 version, and so I'm assuming that's probably the reason why those haven't been ported over because they were originally. Um, but then that would make no sense, though. Vesperia was a was. I mean, it wasn't the Xbox, but Vesperia was originally an Xbox 360 yeah, game. Yeah, but uh, you know they did not use the Xbox. The version of Expe- uh, the version of uh, Vesperia, which I believe we got um, for PC, that was uh, PS3. Port. Exactly, that's what I was getting at. Was that the obviously the PS3 um, port would be the one that they would want to bring over? You know, I think that would be ideal. I mean, 
there's so many good good tales of games that they could bring. Innocence is another one, which was on the the DS. Um, they could remake that. They did. They did on the PS Vita, wasn't it? Yeah, they did. Yeah, but we never got that. <laughs> we never got the. We have to. We've got to set it with the fan translation for uh, for Innocence uh, on the DS. And I thought Innocence was all right, actually. Um, I haven't played Hearts yet. I played Hearts. It was brilliant. I loved Hearts. And I haven't played. Um, and I haven't played Tales of the Tempest. Um, they had also got a English patch for the DS too. The Tempest. When did that one come out? That's a side story, isn't it? Tales of the Tempest. I don't think it's one of the mainstay Tales games. I don't think. It's not yeah, it can't be. It can't be. Hearts was really good though. I think Hearts was was a. It was a nice. It reminded me a bit about, like it. It had a nice flow similar to the way, um, Abyss was. Like it was. It was very very nice. There's a little romance stuff. There's a brother sister dynamic. Um, I think it was good. I think they did a good job with Hearts. Um, Hearts are on the on the Vita is, is a a serious must pick up if you have a Vita. I think it's a um, a definite and that also plays on the whole amnesia trope as well there is a, a sort of um, aspect of it with amnesia because I think the, if I remember correctly the main girl in it she loses her memory does it next end um, so yeah it's it's a good game I would have to say um, and in saying that, though, uh, since we since you mentioned Tales of the Abyss, that also plays the uh, it plays the Amnesia card pretty well too. But that's all I'll say. Yeah, it does play the Amnesia card pretty well as well. There's just there are good games that do it well, and then there are those that I don't know what they were thinking, man. Like they just they could have done something better. And so, if you think about it, we've just been we've just been uh, we've just been naming off Tales games with Amnesia. Basically, yeah. I mean, the Tales of series is basically. You know what? I'm actually thinking in Arise, they're probably going to play the Amnesia troop again as well. Like Arise will start, and then they'll be like, "Oh, and he has Amnesia," and you'll be like, "Oh, great, perfect." I think that's how it's going to start. I think in I think in terms of other games, um, in other games where Amnesia is present, I mean. You enjoyed Final Fantasy V, right? Uh, Final Fantasy V... Rem- and Final Fantasy VI. Final Fantasy VI was brilliant. I don't remember anything about V. Yeah, so in terms of Final... Well, we'll start with Final Fantasy VI then, since you're familiar. Um, Terra from Final Fantasy VI um, doesn't mm-hmm. initially know who she is or what she does. Mm-hmm. She just mm-hmm. knows her name, which is the name that you choose to give her at the start of the, at the, start of the game. Mm-hmm. Because if you remember, in uh, Final Fantasy VI, uh, she starts off as a as a mind controlled soldier. Mm-hmm. That's the part where she's where she's basically you know you're in those mecha things, sort of like yeah, she's on the magic armor. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that much. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing. You know, I think uh, that's actually a really good way of using it. Actually, indeed, it is a really good way of using it. I, I mean, here's the thing, right? I I may sound a bit distracted, and I am because I'm watching trailers of Tales of of Innocence R, and I want to play it so bad. <laughs> there are nice waifus in here, and there are no there's no damn English port for the stupid game. I got my Vita here somewhere. Anyway, what were we talking about again? Final Fantasy VI. So Final Fantasy VI, right. you have Terra, who's in the Magitek armor and doesn't know yeah. who she is or what she does, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you gradually find out who she is over the course of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same with Final Fantasy V. One of your one of your party members uh, is a guy for is a guy called Galif, and he shows up and he has no idea who uh, he has no idea why he's there. But he just remembers his name. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you find out he becomes a very integral part uh, of the story much later on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, even Final Fantasy VII does the amnesia. Well, he does the sort. It does sort of do the amnesia thing if you think about it with uh, with Cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, except instead of forgetting stuff, his memories get tampered with. You're right, 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 right. right. There's there's the whole memory um, thing as well. I'm starting to think if there's anyone else in Final Fantasy. That- Seven that had amnesia. I kind of have a feeling there was. Or am I mistaken? If you want to, if you want to go into more obscure stuff, in terms of more obscure JRPGs, uh, one that I played a long, long, long time ago was called uh, Riviera: The Promised Land. So uh, Riviera, the first time I played that game was on the Game Boy Advance. There is a um, PSP port of it, which I think is much better. Right. The game was also available on the Wonder Swan, I think. But if you want to play the game in English. Mm-hmm. Um, Game Boy Advance or Vita or PlayStation mm. Portable is the way to go, but uh, your main character is basically like a like a grim angel. He's um, his idea is basically to to start an event which um, destroys the land as well as the demon threat. But uh, at, at a part of the game, he loses his memories of, of what he was supposed to do, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. and it was generally just to give the guy. Uh, give the guy an idea of the people that's living in this land and whether they're worth saving or not, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in a Dances with Wolves type uh, type scenario, he gets his memories back, but decides not to go ahead with destroying the world. Mm-hmm. Which actually brings us to our next, uh, our next common trope uh, <laughs> that uh, a lot of JRPGs focus on the world being ready to end or yeah saving the world from absolute destruction yeah usually do uh, and you usually see those in bigger jrpgs that that focus on the whole world than anything else um there are jrpgs that focus on on like maybe an area like a specific um thing maybe a tongue or or whatever have you but most of the biggest ones the ones that are like just showrunner type jrpgs you know your your mainline tales of games or or your your you know your sort of like uh, Final Fantasies and so forth. It's all about the world coming to an end. Usually, you know, the world is coming to an end. Some great evil is is gonna kill everyone. La di da, swiddle swiddle, and then you have to come in and save it. Because even like for example, again, the the RPGs within the last two RPGs that I've played. Um, that and request is basically a you know a storyline where it seems like the world is coming to an end. You know, so um, poison control isn't that. Poison control is focused on um, you saving yourself. You know, basically get, you know get into the end of an era to get a wish or something. But the generally speaking, most JRPGs are focused again around you getting this amazing power. And saving the world. At, at least that's generally what it seems to be with most JRPGs. And I personally don't like the world end plot lines much. Like, I mean, sometimes it works in, in it works in, in a lot of JRPGs. I think if I remember Tales of Abyss had that as well, and that was great. But I like when it's a, when I don't know what the end goal is until like later in the game, and it's not the, the world ending. Or at least if it's just like I'm focused on something else, and then maybe at the end you you tie it in and I maybe save the world, you know, that kind of thing. I 
I think though it's to give it's to give again it's to give you the player a sense of consequence if your if your heroes don't succeed in their quest. So if they don't succeed in their quest, the big bad may just take over the land for now, but will then probably set their sights on taking over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, using Final Fantasy VI as another example again, uh, the main villain almost achieves this. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Uh, and he manages to ruin a large chunk of the world mm-hmm. uh, by the halfway point. It's that and that, and when they increase the scale from not just the the world being at threat, but things like the galaxy and mm-hmm. the universe being at threat, um, that is to give the that is to give you the player a motivation to you know to empathise with the characters you're playing as to save the people that mm-hmm. to save the. Um, the people that you've met and befriended along the way and mm-hmm. and basically stop this big bad from destroying everything they care about. And, and I think I think that the way in which Six did it, Final Fantasy Six did it, is that it basically like you were kind of fooled into thinking the halfway point was the end of the game, it's just the next time. Like you get to the halfway point and you're like, damn it, the frack, what's going on here? And then boom, there's more game to come. It's like, oh, by the way, there's more game. And you get in and you start going even further and you start realizing, ooh, okay, more game to, to sort of like focus on. This is good. Um, that being said, I, I, I still prefer like a goal that's more personal. I like the, the goal of like trying to save yourself or save the character or get a wish or something like that. It's games like, like Criminal Ghouls has that where you, you're not trying to save the world but you're trying to save a set of ghouls you know who have all gone to hell and you need to um you need to redeem them help them find their redemption and i think when it's much more focused around the characters for me i i more i find that's much more attainable or empathizable with than if it's just the world you know because the world can be filled with terrible there's the next time i'm like oh reset the whole world i don't care once my favorite characters are okay it's all good i don't want to save the whole world i just want to save the characters i care about so <laughs> so in a sense yeah um i think when i was younger i loved saving the world i wanted to be the hero you know the guy with the big shield and sword and actually i never wanted a shield i wanted two twin blades uh but now i'm just like i want to save my favorite characters and that's about it I don't really care what happens to the rest of the characters, in it? Mm. Yeah. Uh, games, another <coughs> game, though, which I think does the whole end of the world thing pretty good is um, Star Ocean 3, Till the End of Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, um, there's a big plot twist in that, which I won't spoil, but um, that really does the whole um, save the world, save the universe thing really, really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. people, who have, uh, people who have played... Um, Star Ocean 3 will probably understand where I'm coming from here. But you'll generally find that it's it's the most common uh, it's the most common one that you'll find saving the world or saving uh, or saving um, some large scale uh, some large scale thing like like the world or the universal galaxy so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Basically yeah, you have to come in and, and, and stop some big bad and save everyone and Oh, like that is very common. It is very common. Even if it doesn't, a lot of times in Japanese, even if it doesn't like start where they say, "Oh, you're saving the underworld," by the time you you get to like where a title card should drop, you know, a couple of chapters in, it it's, it defines itself. It's like, "Oh yeah, the world's coming to an end. You need to save it." So, yeah. Basically, the world's coming to an end is is definitely a, a huge trope in JRPGs. Um, 
Another one is the power of love and friendship. Now, this is one I don't actually mind that much. I don't mind it. And if, you, if you've ever played like Trails of Cold Seed and stuff, that shit is in there. <laughs> the power of friendship is a big part of that kind of JRPG. And it's in most JRPGs, you know. You have the, like, the team comes together and everyone cares about each other and all that kind of stuff. Granted, I, I like when it's done in a way whereby the power of friendship wins out after you've defeated the boss to a certain extent and maybe in a cutscene rather than it, it becomes super easy because your your characters care about each other kind of thing because in games like Persona and stuff like that you may have the power of friendship but when you fight the, the, the enemies you have to win the battle like it's like you have to win with all the skills you've learned and all that kind of stuff and and so forth. I think in, in in some cases there are RPGs where without the power of friendship you could lose characters like Mass Effect, where you know when you play Mass Effect Three, by the time you get to the end of it, if you don't have really good relationship with some of your characters, some of them could die. Not even just in Mass Effect Three, but during the Mass Effect series, depending on the relationship you have with your characters, will depend on if they survive or die throughout the game. You know, you may have a dialogue scene where it they want to do something and you don't you don't want them to do it, and they'll just be like, Nah, I'm gonna do this anyway, and then they die. So, generally speaking, I think the whole power of friendship, eh, it's not one that I, I, I mind too much. I actually like it. The whole love and friendship thing works for me. We're on the topic of uh, non-JRPGs. Uh, that is a common thing with, um, with, with a lot of RPGs in general. Depending on what your character does, uh, determines whether certain characters in your party approve of what you're doing, mm-hmm. or they hate what you're doing, and they might turn on you later in the game, mm-hmm. or just leave your party disgusted at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, another one. That's stuff like that. that. Mm-hmm. And they do, they have like an alignment system with the whole, you know, dark side, light side thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding was, I mean, Dragon Age did something like that too. Yeah, Dragon Age did have something like that as well. And, I, and funny thing is like, when I play those sorts of RPGs, I really want everyone to like my character. Like, I am... I'm, and it end, I end up tending to play a more centralist sort of role in, in playing the game because then... Uh, and I think, generally speaking, most people want to be liked to a certain extent. Like, you uh, you basically try to be liked as much as possible. And maybe, and I don't know, maybe that was when I was younger. Like, I haven't played an RPG like that, like that in a while. So, maybe playing something like that now, I would not care what characters think. Like, I'd be like, okay. But then, I do tend to do it if there's a character in my party that I really want to stay in my party, though. So, if there's, like, a really nice waifu character, and I'm like, ooh, I would love her to stay in my party... I would tend to try to align my decisions along the lines of things that she would approve of. You know, so if I know she's more chaotic, I'm going to choose chaotic choices if she's around me because I want her to approve. I want her to be happy about it, you know. And I know I did that in um in Mass Effect Andromeda, where whenever PB was in my party, I did chaotic things because that's what PB is like. PB doesn't want you to be like, hey, let's say the world be super nice and all that kind of la da You know, she wants to... She wants a bit of flair with you, and so I tended to choose the flair when I was around PB because I wanted PB to to like my character, and she did. So, yeah, that's another thing. So moving back to uh, moving back into the JRPG side of things, though, um, mm-hmm. I mean, a good example of a uh, good example of of love factor in a um, in a JRPG. You would, would you consider this guy a JRPG? It's a, I mean, it's a tactical strategy game. Hell yeah. Yeah, it is a JRPG. So, I mean, look at Flon from uh, Disgaea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean the first one because I uh, 
I've only played, uh, I've only played Desgaard one and two, just as a, uh, just as a, an admission there. Have you finished? I've, I've finished, finished one, one and two. I, I have not okay, played okay. a Desgaard game since, uh, since two. I do have, I do have three. I do have four. Uh, I don't have five. I do have D two. Is there a reason? But I feel that Desgaard is a bit of a time sink because of how absolutely crazy you can get with levels. Mm-hmm. It is, it is a huge time sink. But uh, just a, a big shout out to the Desgaard series and pretty much most of the games that we may end up mentioning on here. It is Golden Week right now when we're recording this, and if I am correct. Uh, actually, no. I was about to say you would be able to still get some of these games after this goes up, but this goes up the day after Golden Week sales on Steam ends. There's a sale, a Golden Week sale right now, so most of the games that we would mention in here would be on sale. Games like this guy um, are on sale right now on Steam at this particular point in time that we're recording, um, which I'm assuming is the reason why, how you're going to get this Samurai Warrior game that you plan to pick up, is it? On the sale? Um, no, Samurai Warriors 4 Empires is, um, isn't even on PC. Uh, Serious? Funny thing is, is that um, the EB Games uh, here um, mm-hmm. have it as a pre-owned game, and it was going to cost me like $20 for this game. And um, the thing is, though, is that there's only two stores in the whole country that have the game. One's at the very north of the country, one's at the very south. Mm-hmm. Although I'm closer to the store that's at the very south, I am not prepared to drive three hours south to pick up a game and then drive three hours back. <laughs> But conveniently, for, uh, through where I work, um, one of my workmates who actually lives uh, who actually lives very close to the EB Games in Dayton, mm-hmm. um offered to pick it up for me, and I just uh, I just transferred him the money for that and uh, and to send it up. So um, I mean, if he's listening to this, uh, props to him. I mean, it's <laughs> uh, it's absolutely saved me, and it's made uh, it's made doing what I'm going to be doing in future a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, I see, I see, I see. So he's going to pop over, pick it up for you, and then. Boom bang, it's done all as well. Yeah, because I mean, I I talked to when I was at um, EB Games uh, up in the city. I mean, I talked to them and I said, "Look, hey, um, would you guys be prepared to just ship the game to me? I'm happy to pay extra." But mm-hmm. uh, they gave me the option of, uh, I mean, they gave me the option of either going there and pick it up myself. Mm-hmm. Um, they noticed that there was one in like their head office warehouse or something, and they were going to ring me back, but they never did. Um, and uh, or um, got the store bought and organised shipping from them. Mm-hmm. But uh, then I realised that my uh, most of my team from work actually live in that same place mm-hmm. that had the game. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to see if someone from work was prepared to do it first. Yeah, and it saves you more if they go in. I think wouldn't it be cheaper? Yeah, I mean, someone picking it up for for me paying thirty bucks to get this game and to get it sent to me, uh, it was going to cost me a lot less than me paying what eighty ninety bucks just uh, just for petrol. Mm-hmm. And um, and then then another twenty three dollars on top of that for the game. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, it works out perfectly. Mm-hmm. See, it's the thing. That's why you should have. But uh, we're going off topic. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we're going off topic, though. But uh, um, Final Fantasy V is also another another example again about the power of love and friendship, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the uh, particularly the latter. Because um, uh, that Galif guy I was mentioning earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, decides to fight one of the big bads using the power of friendship. In other words, the other members of your party. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> there is power of love, the power of love and friendship. That's actually present in Final Fantasy IV as well. Mm-hmm. 
because uh, obviously a big key part of Final Fantasy IV is that um, that weird love triangle between uh, Cecil, Rosa, and Kane. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Cecil and Rosa um, get get together because they've pretty much just had eyes for one another, and Kane sort of played that third wheel that's jealous over what Cecil has. <laughs> That uh, that actually plays a part of um, that actually plays a, a good part of um, developing Kane's character as well, mm-hmm. and um, that also I think that also plays a bigger part in the um, in the in the remake of Final Fantasy IV when they add in some of the new features. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? You, what other games do you th- can you think of that do the whole um, friendship and uh, that had the, the whole power of friendship? Um, to be quite honest. Um, I'm drawing blank with with regards to the whole power of friendship. I think mostly when I think about it, I, I remember Western RPGs, which is why I mentioned you know games like um, like uh, like Dragon Age and and uh, Mass Effect, um, and I think the Persona series is another one. Like in, during the Persona series, I think the power of friendship is is generally how how you win the Persona series because you have to you know finish all these social events and all this sort of stuff to just sort of like be able to win in the end or at least to get the, the best endings basically so yeah i think that's really good in that in that sense i mean with with the, the tales of series i can't say the power of friendship really is what really drives those because of the fact that you could do pretty well in the tales of series without having to like create any kind of bonds with your characters you could just run through those games just by getting good at the game and so obviously you know doing more with your characters and stuff you can you get more story you know because the tears of games have all these little um hidden story clips that you can pick up and while you're walking around and just sort of like see dialogue and it, it sort of like explains the characters and gives you more exposition but that's just like personal pleasure to get all that exposition it doesn't actually define how the game ends basically essentially for that reason so I wouldn't actually list that as one to sit next in, in that sense, you know. Some of them, the stories do align with the whole power of friendship um, thing, but I wouldn't actually list them as yeah power of friendship kind of thing. Um, now I can't remember, but um, you you also covered Rune Factory Four, right? No, I did not cover Rune Factory Four. The thing with Rune Factory is that it's a series that I tend to stray away from because of the fact that it's I like farming simulators and I like I like action RPGs, but I don't like Rune Factory because it it doesn't it does it doesn't do enough in both. It's like it it does the farming stuff, but it's not good farming stuff. It's like all the stuff you farm are like weird made up stuff, and the animals are weird monster animals. And I just I'm just not really attached to that. Hey 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 hey! Turnips are not made up. Look look look! Rune Factory stuff looks weird, man. I, they, do they have actual normal turnips in, in Rune Factory? Like, like not those weird. They have normal crops in, in Rune Factory. They don't have weird hybrid crops. I thought they had. From what I last remember, they had like weird made-up crops. Like they made crops up from Rune Factory that weren't real crops. Like the game Harvest Moon. New Harvest Moon has made-up crops. Like, what the hell is an ice tomato? New Harvest Moon is tr- all Harvest Moon is trash. That's not made by. Um, by the original developers, this new line of Harvest Moon games suck. We both know this. That's not the point. But no, no, Rune Factory, Rune Factory, um, generally tends to use tends to use normal everyday props. Okay, well, and it's- uh, I know this because I know this because the staple of any uh, of any good farming simulator, you're supposed to have turnips as your first crop, or by default, or you're supposed to have turnips as your spring crop. Well. 
But anyway, I'm going off topic. <laughs> uh, the reason I mentioned, reason I brought up Rune Factory Four is that one of the elements that you can actually um, infuse your your weapons and tools with is love. Okay. So you can literally infuse your tools and weapons with love and beat down your enemies using that power. Oh, the power of love and friendship. I do say. I mean, it's not quite. It's not quite what we're supposed to be talking about, but it is that in a completely raw sense. Well, I mean, yeah, it is. It is love. So you know, I'm, I'm, you are beating up enemies with the power of love. And is are there like specific enemies that are weaker with by love, or in the sense like love hurts them more or something like? Enemies? It's been a while since I've played Rune Factory Four, but I, I do re- I do vaguely remember it being a uh, being an element. Mm. Okay. Okay. It tempts me not to play it though. Hearing that, it's 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 interesting, but it it does not tempt me to pick up Rune Factory and play it. The Rune Factory games are dead to me. What I would like to see though is, I would like to see that trope inverted, where the enemy she tries to actively destroy you using that power. Mm. Okay, the power of love and friendship. So that would be something interesting to see. Basically, the uh, so then you would be uh, you'd be the bad guy then. No, no, you don't necessarily need to be the bad guy. It's just that maybe the bad guy, uh, maybe the bad guy has someone that um, that uh, that they're they're really in love with, and they both work together using the power of love to try and beat you, the good guy. That hasn't been done before. I'm sure that's been done before in anime, though. Like, you, I mean, there have been anime where the bad guy has a or essentially the I wouldn't even say bad guy, but the antagonist has people that they care about and they they fight for those people and, and they, they put their, their heart and, and soul into it and stuff like that and and generally speaking it, it sometimes they lose, sometimes they win, I don't know. But um yeah, that, that would actually be pretty good. I think I'd I'd get behind that. Hmm. Um although not a JRPG, I mean the Super Robot Wars games, um they have a um they have a skill that you that some characters can learn called love, which um gives them a huge boost to stats. And some characters, because Super Robot Wars is tends uh, tends to be um, a series where a bunch of whole a bunch of mecha anime plots just mash together. Characters that end up falling in love with one another, or characters that have got really high affinity with other characters, uh, whether it be friendship, whether it be, whether it be love, that's also shown in a lot of combination attacks they have, uh, which is pretty neat too. What genre is Super Robot Wars considered, though? It's tactical strategy. Um, to me then that's an RPG man as far as I'm concerned strategy games Japanese strategy games are generally RPGs unless of course it's real time it's uh, well it's tactical strategy so it's turn based it's turn based strategy but in saying that if I mean in saying that with real time strategies I mean would you consider Romance of the Three Kingdoms then a JRPG it's based in it's based in uh, in Three Kingdoms China um, you your character well you and your opponents take turns but you control, you know, you control your character, your your armies, and that on a field, and they sort of move and react in, in between turns. <sighs> See, that's where that's where that's where the line blurs. It does. It does blur that particular game. That particular games. That that particular game does blur the line because I think with Romance and the Three Kingdoms, it's it's more on the tactical side of things in a sense of like you know you've got economy, you've got. Uh, You've got this whole dynamic of like convincing you know different enemies to to join your team and so forth. And it, it that sort of morphs into this whole thing of like real time strategy because a lot of real time strategy games are similar to that, very similar to that. And when I think like tactical strategy, I'm thinking games like Final Fantasy Tactics and 
um, and ad- far able to, to a certain extent, like Fire Emblem Advance Wars, these sort of things are more tactical RPG ish, sort of like story based characters and all that kind of stuff. Um, maybe not so much Advance Wars, definitely Fire Emblem. And you know, this guy is another one as well, which we mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, I would actually say no. Those, I see those more based on the characters because you do spend a lot of time with the characters outside of the tactical stuff as well. Like the characters are talking and they they um, they have different things, and then you you get into the tactical stuff to fight. And even during the battles, there's this little, you sometimes have little dialogue clips, and it's not so focused on the tactics so much as. Um, as the actual dialogue of it. I think, what was the, the last one I remember playing? There's one that's made by NS America. What's it called again? Um, there's one made by NS America. It's on the, it's on the, the, the Switch. That uh, really narrows it down. Switch Tactical RPG made by NS America has... Um, could you um, describe the game a little bit more in detail so I could have a chance to try and figure out what it is? Okay, it's a tactical RPG... It's on the the switch. It's not this guy. It was also on the Vita and PlayStation Four. Um, the begin the game begins with with you sh- um, with a girl being sacrificed to a volcano because her mother they think it's gonna sue the volcano. Um, frack, what's the name of this game again? It sounds pretty dark for a um, for a Nippon Ichi tactical strategy game. Uh. It is a Nipponichi tactical strategy game, if I remember. Unless, of course, I'm thinking it's a different um, make, but I definitely, I'm like, I'm like 99% sure it's a Nipponichi game. So, yeah, the Ultimate Edition came out on the Switch. That was the one that, that I last played, if I remember correctly. I'm on a page that has all their games listed, so let me see. I'm seeing Atelier Eris. That's not it. Artanelico, a series that a lot of people are begging for to come back, but has not come back in any way, shape, or form. Um, that's not it either. The Disgaea series, it's not a Disgaea game. No, if it's Art- if it was Artanelico, I definitely would have known that one. Yeah, and, and the explanation would have told you it's Artanelico, by the way, I explained it. Just the description would have been, oh, it's Artanelico you're talking about. Um, is it God Wars? I think it's God Wars. God- if it is God Wars, then uh, if it is God Wars, I haven't played that, so uh, I can't. I think it's God Wars Future Pass, and for some reason, it's not listed on um, as an Iponichi game. Yes, it's God Wars Future Pass. The name came to okay. me, but I, it's not listed as an Iponichi game, even though NS America did actually publish this in the West. Um, it's uh, Kodokawa Games is the developer, I think, and publisher in Japan. And they're also the publisher, yeah, Kodokawa. Yeah, but NAS, um, NAS definitely because I remember getting a copy of this from NAS America in North America. So yeah, worldwide, NAS America and Kodokawa Games publishes in Japan. That's correct. That's correct. So that one also, you know, while we're on. While we're on the topic of uh, of God Wars, um, that actually brings us to the the fourth uh, trope mm-hmm. that we're going to uh, that we're going to discuss that we're going to talk about, because uh, uh, you can't have uh, a common JRPG trope without all of them getting together to kill a big bad, <laughs> and uh, especially if that big bad happens to be God. Uh-huh. Uh, human hubris has always been uh, has always been something for many many years, and has now gone into video games where you get powerful enough to. To start killing gods. 
to smite them down to be like oh, i am the new god now i take over <laughs> i mean a game that i the, a game that i've been playing this week mm-hmm. um dark souls 3 mm-hmm. um literally has uh, a boss who is a devourer of gods this particular boss eats gods mm-hmm. and um you fight this guy while he's in the process of eating uh one of these one of these gods mm-hmm so I don't know. It's I think I think the whole fighting and beating God sort of gives the impression to you, the player, that you're super strong and that you're uh, you're capable of achieving this if you work hard enough, if you have good, if you have the right teammates, and if things go well in your favor. The power of friendship, and if you've forgotten everything about your past, and and also um, also basically. The world is coming to an end, and then basically, essentially, you can defeat God at that point in time. Uh, I mean, that's I mean that plays a part in a, in a lot of a lot of games. I mean, Shin Megami Tensei is the is the one that first comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, that is true. Possible uh, opponents that you can beat um, is um, Satan and Lucifer. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're if you're really going for if you're really gunning for it. Um, Jehovah, though stylized as uh, YHVH. And there's a new Shin Megami Tensei game coming out where you can fight those characters. Nocturne is actually on its way out soon, is it? Yeah, I'm looking forward to not. I'm looking forward to playing Nocturne. Now featuring Dante from the Devil May Cry series. Are you um Are you planning to review that, or is that one that you're just going to just pick up? I'm going to review it, of course. Yeah. Continue. In terms of beating gods and things like that as well. Yeah. Um, funny enough, uh, Shin Megami Tensei uh, three. Uh, we'll explore that at one point as well. As well. Four Apocalypse, I think, does it. Shin Megami mm-hmm. Tensei 2, as you do it. Mm-hmm. Well, as well as beating up gods, you can even recruit some gods and just fuse them with one another to make other things. Mm-hmm. Um, what other games have we... What other games are we thinking of that have you beat gods? I should actually let you run a couple of... Uh, what other ones can you think of? Well, I'm trying to think of, of others. Thinking of... Um of Shin Megami Tensei uh, Shin Megami Tensei I mean games where you you fight God I mean does Sephiroth count as a God? He does become a God in the end of Final Fantasy 7 to a certain extent like he's he's God-like isn't he? Do you consider Kefka to become a god at the end of Final Fantasy VI? Yes, I think I think at the end of I think pretty much every Final Fantasy like bad guy becomes a god at the end of their game. Like they get so powerful, the universe starts like time and space starts bending around them and all that kind of shit. I mean, at a point when you're messing with time and space, you're a god. In my book, you're a god. Nothing can touch you. You know. So I mean, the Persona series has it as well, but. And I have to say the Persona series, I was about to say something, but like, oh, but it's kind of technically Shin Megami Tensei, but nah, it isn't. Like, the Persona series is no longer, from the point they dropped that, that SMT, um, name from it, it's no longer a Shin Megami Tensei game. Like, you don't see Shin Megami Tensei on any Persona material anywhere anymore. It's just Persona now. Because like on Persona 4 Golden, on, uh, when when Persona 4 Golden released on Steam, there was nothing on there that said Shin Megami Tensei. It was just Persona. So yeah, but uh, I mean, continue Persona. Uh-huh. Let me think. I mean, that follows. Uh, that, that still follows the line of Shin Megami Tensei in terms of uh, whatever the godly character in, in question is. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the the Valkyria Chronicles games? Um, I I've only played one and two, and you're not really. 
in Valkyria Chronicles 1 and 2, you're not really killing God. Mm-hmm. You're just killing the leader of the, the leader of the bad guys who just got super powerful. Well, that's what I'm thinking. What, what do you define as a God then? Does it have to be one that's, that's, you know, um, an established, defined God that we already, that, you know, that people conventionally consider a God in, in, in conventional society? Or is it one that in the game, like, has become so powerful that they are defined as a God? My my sense of a god is generally a being or a deity that's that's worshipped as or or is forcing people to worship them as a god. Um, in the sense that in the sense it's a more bigger scale to that of a of an enemy leader, I guess, isn't it? I think it. Yeah, I think I think I think if the character is, I think to, for me, a, a god in a game is some um, is a character who can bend the reality of that game to its own will to a certain extent whereas a regular powerful boss character can destroy a lot can do a lot of damage but not bend reality and create stuff and because at that point in time then you're stepping into god territory as far as i'm concerned you know um another game and we're going to go into more um, obscure territory here um uh, is the lufia games if i remember right Mm mm-hmm because uh, the big bads in Lufia are a, um, a series of four bad guys called Sinistrals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sinistrals are supposedly powerful, godlike beings. They're also very evil. Mm-hmm. Until you get a particular weapon, and I think Lufia, the, 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 like, the ultimate weapon, the god-killing weapon, has a really boring name. It's like called Dual Blade. Mm-hmm. The goal around the Lufia games is to is to obtain that weapon and to and to basically kill the Sinistrals. Okay. And uh, but Luffy is one of those games that hasn't really gotten a game in ages. It got um Luffy two, I think, got a um, a remake of sorts for the DS many many years ago. I haven't played Luffy. I think since the, if I remember correctly, that was in the Game Boy Advance. Was the last time I played a Luffy game. There was a Luffy game on the Game Boy Advance. Yes, but uh, Luffy started off on the Super Nintendo. I did not play that one. I think again for me the, the only one I remember playing was the one in the Game Boy Advance, and and generally speaking, I cannot even remember what it was about. Like I I played it as a as a teenager, and if you ask me, hey, what was it about? Don't know. <laughs> I just know I played it back then. Lufia Two on the Super Nintendo, I feel, is still peak Lufia. If you had to play a game in that series, because uh, Lufia Two is technically the prequel to Lufia One. Mm-hmm. That's the one that was. Which one was the the one that was in the the DS one? I think I played as well. Lufia Curse of the Sinestros. Curse of the Sinestros. That was um, that was basically a remake of Lufia Two. I think I played that one. And again, I don't remember what it was about. Like I I remember like I'm seeing the cover art for it, and I'm like, oh, this looks familiar. Like I've seen this before. I do not remember what it was about actually. The, the thing when it comes to games and you uh, games that you haven't played in a while and you can't remember anything about it that's the sucky thing man I feel I feel kind of bad like I've played this before but I don't remember what it was about and this is the problem with games like these you know when they're stuck on, on platforms that you no longer either have or yeah like I, I think this is the thing where by imagine if like all games that you bought like DS games and stuff could just like I just had them on my 3DS. I don't have, I don't know any of my DS. I don't think I own any of my old DS cartridges. A lot of them got lost in, over the years. Hmm. 
But I think, I think in terms of the whole, um, beating God thing, that's probably, uh, the key, the key parts of the Shin Megami Tensei and Persona games. Yeah, definitely those. Um, would you consider the, the ones from Kingdom Hearts kind of technically the same? Or no? Because you do fight gods in Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts, uh, Kingdom Hearts definitely has the whole save the world with the power of love and, and friendship. And you do fight gods in Kingdom Hearts, don't you? I mean, Disney characters, they are gods in Disney, like the whole Zeus and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you do beat up on Hades. Uh, in Kingdom Hearts too. Right, so yeah, God. yeah, you do beat, you do fight a god. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think we covered it. All the all the tropes of JRPGs. Um, if you guys are listening to this episode or, or you know watching, I don't know if we well we we put it up for audio purposes right now. So if you're listening to this episode and you have any other tropes that you think we've missed, um, feel free to let us know. Like you know, you can write us a um a comment somewhere wherever this podcast is leave us a review that's the best way to get it leave us a review and let us know what tropes we've missed out you know make sure the review is five stars alternatively you can always just um contact us through our respective facebook pages so i mean q's got one for simply binge i have one for infinite backlog um leave a comment and a review facebook yeah i'm not i'm not gonna respond to facebook hit me up on twitter at lp guardian or at simply binge uk that's the best way to find me. I am not going on Facebook to respond to no messages. That shit will, li- will sit there for days. I respond to Twitter much more quickly. All right, okay. If we're going to go Twitter, then uh, I'm uh, at IB underscore reviews. Um, you can use my personal Twitter, which is uh, last underscore serif. But, uh, you know, I got lost. I got lost trying to find you on Twitter the other day because I was like searching at serif. And I'm like, why the fuck can I find this? I'm like, did, did, I, did I accidentally unfollow Sam? And I was like looking, looking, and then I was like, ah, oh, it's like last underscore serif. That's right, you know. So, but I prefer, I prefer that the uh, infinite backlog one gets uh, gets promoted a little bit more. Yeah, well, mm-hmm, I understand. I get it. Nonetheless, before we wrap up, I mean, what have you been playing this week? Well, um, Dead End Request is what I've been playing the most, and I'm, I'm enjoying it actually. I was playing Poison Control, but the game is buggy, and that's why I dropped it. And this is what I was mentioning to you before about dropping a game. Um, that's bad and this is not a game that I would consider bad like it's a good game I like Poison Control the problem is is that it's got bugs in there that are game breaking so instead of actually being able to finish the game properly I'm finding stuff like for example I set a weapon that I want to use and then I go into the level and I'm using a different weapon and I'm like the frack I, I set the right weapon didn't I and then I come back out of the level and I check my loadout and the weapon that I actually set is still listed as set, but I when I get into the level, it's something else. Or the first boss is broken. So when you get into the first boss, you can't use a certain you can't use one of the, the abilities you have, or the game will freeze your character in, in in like position and then you won't be able to move and the boss can just keep waiting at you and kill you, basically. So yeah, it's they need to patch that, and AS America needs to patch that game. As it stands, it it does seem to be a good game, and I, like I love the music and the gameplay loop is fun and all that kind of stuff. Um, the only thing is they need to patch that game, like ASAP, because for me, if it takes too long before they patch it, I'm never going back to it. I've already started writing the review. You know, I've written one, two, three, four, four paragraphs. Already. Oh, that's right, four paragraphs. I've written four pages. Oh, jeez. Um, no, I've written four paragraphs about the game, and I'm probably gonna end it in about. I think I maybe write about two or three more paragraphs. We like to finish all the review, but generally, most of what I say is like, you know, the game is good. I like the game, but it's broken. You know. Um, 
with Death and Request, I'm loving that game. And I'm, I have to say, I'm surprised I didn't play more of Death and Request in the past on, cause I have it already. I have it on PC. Um, and I think I had it on the Vita, but. <sighs> Wait till you get, wait till you get to Death and Request too, because if you're a if you're a fan of uh, Corpse Party, I have Death and Request. Yeah, too. I mean if you're a fan of Corpse Party, uh, you'll be right at home with Death and Request too. I like Corpse Party up to the point where I can't play it anymore. Because uh, the guy who did the scenario for Corpse Party is also the guy who does the scenario for Death and Request too. The thing my problem with Corpse Party is that I tried playing Corpse Party during a thunderstorm one time, and it's freaked me out, and I haven't been able to go back to it since. So, I like Corpse Party up to the point where I've been freaked out by it. I don't think I can play it anymore. Um, I do own Death and Request um, 2 as well. I did play Death and Request 2 as well. Like, I played... The thing is, I own both games on the PC, but I'm loving playing it on the Switch. I don't know about, I don't know about anyone else, but JRPGs are just better on the Switch, man. <laughs> <laughs> like um, earlier this week, I had um, I had the runs. You know, you know when you you've eaten something and you've got like, you know, you've got to spend some time, you know, doing what nature needs to be done. Chew, it's lunchtime here. I don't I don't want to be put off lunch. <laughs> You're most welcome. Uh, but yeah, that end request easily idea factory and come by heart's best game. Like, they don't make anything better than Death and Request. There's nothing they develop that's better than... Let me think. Does Compile Heart make anything better than, than this? They're definitely not the, the Neptune games. Neptune games are trash compared to this. Um, probably Mary Skelter. Probably Mary Skelter may be up there as well. Um, but I can't think of anything else that Compile Heart makes that matches that. The Neptune games are trash. Record of Agnes was um, uh, maybe. Ooh, uh, I, I would say I would. I would, I would say the, the my favorite compile heart game would probably be the uh, the Record of Agnes War games. Well, I was about. That's why I, I said Record of Agnes was. Moyu Crystals and Chronicles is also in there as well. They are from Compile Heart as well. I, I forgot that. So those are pretty good as well. Um, but yeah, I think. But from what I played of that and request, I think that and request is probably their probably their best work. The the storytelling, the writing, the voice acting, everything just seems really, really, really good. Um, so yeah, I would I would say that in request definitely a must play, and I'm playing part one right now on the Switch, and I would say definitely pick it up on the Switch if you if you get a chance. It is it is good. Uh, I don't know if um, let me see that in request. Let me see what's the Switch. I'm pretty sure IDF, um, IDF actually will release this um, part two for the Switch eventually because they did. They just dropped one on the Switch. Um, the only thing I would say is getting this on the Switch maybe may cost you more than if you were to pick it up on PC because the PC version is obviously going to be, uh, you know, it has probably been out for some time, so the price is going to be cheaper. If I'm correct, the Switch version may end up running you about forty quid. Is it? What's the price for the Switch version? Do you know, Sam? Um. Not in not in US uh, not in uh, not in UK pounds no. Okay, let me see. What do you know the price for it in um in New Zealand dollars or US? Um, if we're going to go by New Zealand dollars, new release. Uh, are we talking about the PC game or the, uh, or no, the no, no, um, no. Switch? Uh, okay, sorry, it's it's actually twenty six ninety nine US dollars. So in pounds, it's probably going to be about say twenty. Say, say about say twenty. Um, okay, so if it's it's if it's twenty nine US dollars, uh, okay, that's probably be about seventy New Zealand. Um, because uh, our prices are just high anyway. I would actually say it's with the price of this. Like for twenty, like this is so cheap. I would take it. 
granted though should come to the disclaimer this game is m for mature so keep that in mind same for poison control these are not games for for younger gamers so yeah age ratings and all that kind of stuff what about you what have you been playing um the games i've been playing aren't exactly for younger players either admittedly Ooh. um so i've been trying to get through my uh i'm just, i'm still trying to get through my um my library of dark souls games mm-hmm. so i'm about two-thirds of the way through dark souls 3 at the moment um i tackled one of the dlcs and i've just um i've just finished that dlc so i've done the um ashes ariandel mm-hmm. um dlc which for those who have played dark souls 1 um you will see some familiar places mm-hmm. um Obviously, new Pokemon Snap, which has come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is uh, what I'm currently working on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I even put money into a uh, Instax uh, Mini, uh, Instax Mini Link, so I can print photos from it mm-hmm. uh, specifically for this review. What else have I been doing? Uh, I also play a little bit of Shin Megami Tensei One because I believe the Game Boy, um, the Game Boy version of the game, got a uh, English translation that was pulled from the iOS port. Mm-hmm. So I play a little bit of that in the spare time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's essentially been what I've been up to this week. Um, well, over the past couple of weeks. Looking forward to the future. Obviously, Shin Megami Tensei 3, Nocturne. Mm-hmm. I'm also looking forward to doing Samurai Warriors 5 when that comes out as well. Uh, to the point where I'm going to get reference footage from Samurai, Warri- uh, Samurai Warriors 4 Empires. Mm-hmm. But... I'm also looking forward to doing the uh, Famicom Detective Club games as well. Those were a lot of fun, and um, although I've never played the first game, I do have very fond memories of playing the second one. The second one for when it was on the Super Nintendo, uh, and when it got fan translated, was uh, was absolutely amazing. Hmm. Okay, that sounds, sounds sounds good. Sounds pretty 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 good. So, what I'm hearing from you is that. You are very much enjoying your classics. Yeah, what you're also hearing from me is I'm also very, very busy. <laughs> all I'm hearing is, oh yes, Q, it's all about these classic games. I mean, but yes, you are very, very busy indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, as, uh, as well as me working on those, I'm also doing a few. Uh, I'm also doing a few side projects as well. So I'm going to have those prepared as filler, um, as filler materials for when there's. Um, when I need more time to work on a particular game, or um, or if I um, or if it's just a dry patch and there's just nothing really good out, there'll never be a dry patch. That thing that doesn't exist. This thing you yeah, but the former does. The one where I need more time to do a game, it, uh, especially if it's um, if it's going to be something like Harvest Moon, Rune Factory, Story of Seasons. That is, um, those are games I do need to invest a lot of time in. There'll never be a dry patch, bro. I, we we both know better. That doesn't exist. Dry patches. What the hell is that? I don't even know that. Dry patches is what I like to have when I wake up in the mornings. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, nonetheless, uh, that brings us to the end of uh, Skill Points Episode 5. So thank you for listening and uh, stay tuned for Episode 6 where we can discuss something absolutely new or perhaps if you guys have a suggestion for us, maybe that. Until then, thanks for listening and uh, have a good one. Skill Points Podcast is a part of the Simply Binge family of podcasts. You can find new episodes first on Anchor and Spotify. Episodes subsequently release on iTunes, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and other podcast apps. If you'd like to engage more with us, you can reach us at Simply Binge UK pretty much everywhere and on our website at simplybinge.com.